Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. I will be your father. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his, his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WHUTs after further review. After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. that music you know what time it is it's time for college football's winners and losers with david the man of god harris david go ahead sorry an exciting action-packed winners and losers from an exciting week of nfl football and the official start of the bowl season so we're going to get jump started with the winners of course we have to start with the las vegas raiders Dominating performance, got the coach fired. Um, again, further signs that Antonio Pierce should probably be the coach for the Raiders moving forward into next season. But complete and utter turnaround from probably the worst football game of the season, their 3 nothing loss to Minnesota just four days prior. But... Congratulations to the Raiders. Um, what more can you say other than they probably won't score 63 points the rest of the season because that's just how football is. Uh, another winner, the Houston Texans did it without their starting quarterback, C.J. Stroud. More of Tennessee is exactly who I thought they were and their quarterback really isn't that good. But the Texans bouncing back gives themselves a major confidence boost. Again, in the year of the backup, as we talked about last week, the backup quarterback is coming in clutch. And yet again, in another situation, next man up mentality, Houston won it on Akimi Fairbairn's 54-yarder in overtime. And how about the Texans beating the Titans when the Titans are wearing the Houston Oilers uniforms? Yeah, and as J.J. Watt said, that's you know the rules are they won, they should get the jerseys back. But we know the NFL, you know, it's yeah. Though the people making yeah. that decision is a bunch of feckless losers. Yeah, but. It was nice seeing the jerseys. Again, it probably should have gone to the Texans, but it's a whole beef with Texans, Oilers, you know. Do you keep the jerseys when your franchise moves? It's, I mean, that's a whole, that could be an entire show in and of itself because uh, we see that all throughout professional sports. Um, another winner, Eddie Pinero, the field goal. Yeah. The Carolina Panthers getting their second win. 
Not going to say I called it, but I've been calling for this like for the past few months. And did they play great? No. The game was awful. Horrible both sides. I'm surprised it was actually a touchdown. But between the two, even though there were like maybe like 40 people in the stands, Carolina definitely deserved to win that. Because Atlanta, Atlanta looked like a team that did not know what they wanted to do. Again, the, the fire, the entire Atlanta organization, ownership, management, coaching staff is in full force. But shout out to Carolina. That's two wins. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're not going to be able to have a top pick to show for because Derek's Bears own that pick. That is correct. And the Bears, to be honest with you, I think they're a loser. I'm going to add. They could have won that game against the Browns and went 6-8. and eight and been considered in the hunt and tied with the Packers, I believe, to get second in the yeah. NFC. Uh, but as I've mentioned before, Justin Fields is not the guy. So you're never going to get really clutch fourth quarter plays from him. Yeah, I mean, I can mention about what happened on that final play, but I'll let David get into that. No, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Good. A little bit of Kadarius Tony going on, jumping the gun. So let me wrap up the winners and then jump to the losers because I do want to talk about that game and one Darnell Mooney. Um, we can go there. Okay. The, yeah. The Bills are another winner. All, the Cowboys cannot stop the run, it appears. Another dominant performance from a rushing attack. And, again, in big games, the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott, just they just decide not to show up, which is great in the regular season, but we've seen this story time and time again to where Dallas Cowboys fans are like, look, we, we need to nip this in the bud right now. Because there could be a realistic possibility that they are a wildcard team and they have to go on the road to win. Now, granted, if you're the best wildcard, you're going to play whoever comes out of the NFC South. So that's a guaranteed win. But then you're playing a top team after that. And do you trust Dallas on the road? Not from what I've been seeing. Yeah, good. Yeah, because the Cowboys can't seem to. They're a different team away from home, but also for the Bills, I I feel like they figured something out that they need to do, and that is run the football. I think that's really led the reason why they have started to turn it on and get back to the playoff hunt. Because a few weeks ago they were dead in the water. Yeah, I mean the Bills. The Bills will go as the running game goes. I understand for all the Stephon Diggs fans out there because he gets like quadruple teams every play so he doesn't get the ball thrown to him. I mean, it happens. Yeah. And one, oh, and one final winner for me going to the college game as the bowl season, I want to lift up Florida A&M. We never talk about HBCUs much, but and uh, the best televised game of the weekend last weekend, Sam U versus Howard and the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta. It was a good game. Just 
appreciation of black culture. Obviously, last year, the highlight was Jackson State, and everyone was looking at Coach Prime, but this year was, again, about the football, about the fans and the stands, about just black people having a good time watching the football game, and I love it. Yeah. And I'd like to add another winner as well, David, if I may, and that is Sam Laporta, tight end for the Detroit Lions, who you mentioned needed to have a big game, and he did just that with three touchdown catches. And here's another fun fact for you. Sam Laporta in his rookie year has caught eight touchdowns. In his entire career at Iowa, he had five touchdown receptions. Think about that for a minute. That just shows how Iowa's offense was a crime against football. <laughs> you just dogging them, bro. I'm just calling a spade a spade. <laughs> but you didn't have, did you have to say crime against football? <laughs> I mean, what was I supposed to say that was FCC appropriate? Uh, okay. Keep uh, going. I mean, I mean watch, watching Iowa football is a crime against humanity. I mean, how they ended up having a, a top 25 ranking majority of the season, we still don't know. I, that's NIL money being paid to the Big Ten. Um, yeah. Flipping to losers really quickly, and this is a good tie-in to our, our last segment about transfers and college football. The famous Toastery Bowl, which you're probably like, what? Um so it was technically this was the Bahamas Bowl, but there's some renovations going on in Nassau, so this game was moved to Charlotte. And in particular, I want to give Western Kentucky the loss, even though they won. Because their starting quarterback, their 23-year-old senior quarterback, by the way, Austin Reed, decided to opt out of the game to prepare for the NFL draft, leaving the two freshmen behind them, one a redshirt freshman, to figure out how to play. And so you have a true freshman, Turner Helton, who's the nephew of the head coach, so there's already pressure there. He plays poorly. And so then here comes Caden Veltkamp, who was told at the beginning of, um, or when he decided to enter the transfer portal himself, if he came back, he was going to be moved to tight end. He comes in, he throws five touchdowns, gets Western Kentucky the win. It's, it's just a cluster bleed. Like, and, and I put this on, like, if you're the starting quarterback and you know that there are two freshmen behind you, one who's only thrown eight passes this season and the other 11, come on. Like, how, how is that? And let, let's just be honest. Is Austin Reed a day one or day two NFL quarterback? More yes. than likely not. So, like, this is, again, what I, what I was talking about in the last segment. Like, play for your teammates. Like, you may go day three. You may go undrafted. But you're going to opt out and leave two freshman quarterbacks to fend for themselves in a bowl game? And one of them was told that if he comes back, he's going to play tight end. Like, I, I don't know. So this goes back to the previous segment. Yeah, just I feel bad. I mean, they stepped up, next man up mentality, but 
This is why. Yeah. 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 I mean, and also, yeah. quick mention about the famous toastery bowl. Old Dominion absolutely gagged a 28 nothing lead away. And I believe it was uh, Caden Veltkamp, I believe you made mention of one of the quarterbacks for Western Kentucky. He ends up leading the, leading the comeback. Heck, yeah, so, I mean, look, but I'll say this. I mean, look, kid did a nice job, but with epic comebacks come epic collapses, and that's pretty much what it was. Yeah, that, that, that game, was, and I mentioned it because I watched it. Um, yeah, the loss was an epic loss by Old Dominion, who had two great wins to even get bowl eligible leading into that game, but that that whole game was just peak. Why are we playing this bowl game? Um, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned it earlier, the Chicago Bears and Darnell Mooney. If Darnell Mooney knows how to catch the football, the Bears win the game. I, I hate to put it on one player because also the Browns with the fourth quarter comeback, that's a little bit on the defense. Could the Bears have put the game away earlier? Yes, but if you're up 17-7 heading into the fourth quarter, that's one where you're like, all right, Let's just trust our defense to put this away. Cleveland really wasn't looking all too hot until the fourth quarter. And again, if if it hits your hand, the football, as a receiver, you should be able to catch it at any level. But, Derek, the floor is yours. All I'll say is when I saw it, he... I saw him catch it, and then it got kicked up into the air, and I immediately thought of the famous flea kicker from, I believe it was 1997, when Nebraska played Missouri, and that resulted in what was the game-tying touchdown for Nebraska, and that pretty much uh, kept their undefeated season intact that year. But Derek, you got something on uh, that loss to the Browns? It was a collapse. I mean, the defense yeah. is stout. Now, I will give the Bears the credit. They, they getting sweat, picking him up, really bolstered the defense. The defense was okay, but they didn't really have a great pass rusher. Now they're getting a great pass rusher, and the defense is creating pick sixes and stuff like that. Were there some drop passes by the receivers? Yes, but the, the Bears are one of the lowest teams as far as drop passes. The team that are one of the highest is what, actually the Kansas City Chiefs. Look how they're doing. <laughs> Yeah, fine, Kadarius Tony. Right, but the, the the fact of the matter is, is that I I don't know if it's Eberflus. You know, the, his side of the ball is getting better, especially he's starting to realize with some talent. Some of people are saying it's Luke Getsky. Getsy. At the end of the day, the players have to execute the plays, even if you have a bad coach. Talent supersedes bad coaching. And here's why. A lot of coaches out there that don't know what they're doing in any sport. And normally, if you have the more talented team, you can pick up the wins. Normally, if there's a screw up or a screw up in a play call, you know, more talented players might exit out of it knowing what they're supposed to be doing. I I, I just personally think the offense went stale. Justin Fields is limited. You know, 
with the with the game where it's at, I thought some of the play calling was suspicious. But I'm still trying to figure this out. Is the play calling because Luke Getzky's an idiot? Or is it because you you have lack of trust in the skills of Justin Fields? You know, obviously the Browns were not going to let them get to the middle of the field. No. They were going to make you go outside, go out of bounds, hopefully get short yardage situations so that you get third downs. They couldn't complete anything on third down. They weren't going to let you run the ball that much. They eat that clock because they were trying to eat the clock. I don't think Justin Fields can make the throws to put them in scoring position or at least secure a victory. He can't make those quick slant throws down the middle. You just can't. They're they're not accurate enough. Um, And and not to mention his lack of reading the defense. You know, I think a couple times maybe they could have did a couple rollouts and he keeps the ball and he runs, you know. Um, but he's gonna stay and has to stay in bounds. I mean, I think they were up seventeen to seven with less than six minutes to go in the game. In the NFL, if you run your offense properly, that should be a win. Um, some people argued about taking the field goals late in the in, in the first half. I, I mean, I've seen enough. I saw this in the Lions game last year, where the Lions came back and won in Soldier Field. He just doesn't have the the tools to help you win a ball game. I think the highest if Justin Field. If Justin Field gets everything that he wants, as everyone says, and this let's be honest, because of the salary cap, you're not going to get everything you want. He needs receivers. Who doesn't need receivers? He needs an offensive line. Who doesn't need an offensive? I mean, you need these are key pieces. Everybody has them. There's going to be certain place spots you're going to be short with because of, you know obviously the, the salary cap. I think he, the highest he could be is Dak Prescott, but where's that getting the the Cowboys? Inconsistent play. Hopes are high with a good regular season. You poop the hammer late in December, and then you're out in the first round of the playoffs. Give me a quarterback that's going to get us to the chip. I'm tired of talking about the 85 Bears. Yeah. And, you, and the Bears have to understand, what direction do you want this organization to go? Do you just want to be a moneymaker and just be in the middle of the pack, win a couple division titles? Or do you want to be the one that's always competing for an NFC championship and Super Bowl? I would want the latter, but you're not going to get that with Justin Fields as the guy. Talented guy, great guy to watch, entertaining, but I want substance over swag. And a lot of people want swag over substance, and I think he just got some swag, but not enough to get this team over the hump. That's just me. Saying Darnell Mooney should have caught the ball well. Yeah, it hit him in the hands, but come on. It, it shouldn't have gotten to a Hail Mary. Exactly. It shouldn't have gotten to that point. And come on, how often did you complete? How often do you even get to that chance to have it where he's on the ground and able to catch the football? Not, Not, no. And even if he made the catch, that's like a zero out of point zero 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 point one chance of him doing making that play. Now you're lucky. Now you're winning on luck instead of just they should have. What they should have done is had a lead. Been able to work the clock, but they didn't. So you get what you deserve. Rant over. And, and I, I would agree with that. I think it shouldn't have come down to a Hail Mary. With with that time, it's clock management. It's running, running the clock, keeping Cleveland on the other, Cleveland, keeping the Browns' offense on the sideline, and not allowing Grandpa Joe Flacco to come out with this crazy comeback. 
One final thing. The Bears currently have the first and the fifth pick. Do they go Marvin Harrison or do they go for a quarterback? I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be one of those picks. And then the other is going to be with a is going to be a quarterback unless they end up trading the pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the Bears, the Bears have the draft capital hold to get a lot better offensively because I think their defense is a lot is gotten a lot better. Her, but again, this is the McCaskey family we're talking about too, and they want to do things the way that George Hallis wanted it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, run the ball, playing defense, and, then, and the thing is that when they had. Bajan in the game. And I hate to say this. Even though Fields had great individual stats, it looked like an offense. Like everyone was involved. The running game was the, the, that was the best I've seen the running game in that two or three week span. It just seemed like a balanced offense. When you have Justin Fields, it doesn't feel that way. The running game is almost non existent. And it's like, but you got good running. Now I'm starting to see why David Montgomery left. He's a hell of a running back, and I'm thinking, well, if you if you mix that with with Fields, and he can get his passing down good, decent quarterback. The line is better, but people keep blaming the line. He holds the ball too long. It just, it just, it, it just. I I don't know. I'm just frustrated because the Bears fan base is basically split up the middle. There's people that are Justin Fields fanboys. They keep saying that. Well, if he needs this, he needs this. You got to give him time to develop. Dude, he's been in the league for three years, and he has a losing record. Exactly. It, it doesn't – how long has Mahomes been? When Holmes was in the league for five years, what about Brock Purdy? Purdy. Well, okay. I don't mean to uh, uh, get out of the soapbox here. Ever, but I mean, everyone's saying, oh, well, he's the MVP candidate. And look, I know he does lead the league in touchdown passes and whatnot, but let me tell you something. If he wins MVP, he's going to be the worst player to ever win MVP. How? How? Because look how insulated he is. He's got the best running back. So? Heck, he's so? also got one of the best tight ends so? in the game. He's got good so? wide receivers. He's so? got the really good offensive so? line. So? If he's you put all, if you he put is, you put anybody no, in that system. No, no. I I get Derek. You, I guarantee you. You put awful, Justin Fields in San Francisco. They still have a winning record. If you're a bad quarterback, you're a bad quarterback, and you know what the weak link is. That's just like a basketball team with no guard play. You can have all the post players, the great coaching, and everything like that. But if your guard play is suspect, it's gonna cut you, come and bite you in the behind, and you're gonna lose the game. Brock Purdy is not a bad quarterback. Not saying he is bad. There you are. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, you are. I'm saying he's insulated. He's got great talent around him. You're saying that he's not elevating that team, and he is. He is. If Brock Purdy was the average to below average quarterback, that team wouldn't be where it's at. Because everybody knows if he couldn't make the throws, he couldn't make the reads, he'd be making mistakes at crunch time, and they would get losses. He's doing what he's doing because he can read defenses, and he's got a pretty decent arm and he's got great football IQ. The other stuff is just basically the, the icing on the cake that maybe pushes them over the edge. But at the end of the day, that dude can ball, just like Tom Brady. You can't just say you put it. You're going to put Mac Jones over there with the 49ers. They're going to be doing the same thing they're doing. There's a lot of quarterbacks you could put in San Francisco. Yeah. That Mac Jones. 
No, Ooh. come on, Frank. Okay, that's basically scraping the bottom of the barrel. No, it's not. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. The guy can play. If you can't play, you're going to be losing. You put Justin Fields over there. He's decent. I think he can start in the NFL, but he's not a guy to get you to. He's not going to be doing what he's doing like Brock Purdy's doing. David, you can chime in if you want. You can't just put ink and stop that because then now you're devaluing the, the, the position. Everybody knows the quarterback makes the thing go. You can't just put anybody in. Joe Flacco you can put in there. Yeah. Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, I mean, if you what about look, what's his face from from the Saints, Tyson Hill, Tyson Hill, Tyson Hill. Look, what can you put him in the 49ers and the 49ers still be that great, that good of a football team? I believe it. No, Frank, stop it, David. What do you think? Come on, it's kind of like how how the Buccaneers were with Tom Brady the year they won the Super Bowl because that's Tom Brady because he elevated the he team. He was also heavily insulated with talent around him. Look what he had in. From the times he was in New England, he basically had guys who were picked up off the scrap heap. And he won. Yeah. And then he and went over there. And then once he gets to, to the age of 40, and then he, he got brings the, in. They have to, they had to insulate him with great talent. And he elevated that talent. They were already but, elevated. No, they weren't. Who was the yeah. quarterback the year before? They had Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston threw for 5,000 yards in that offense. Did they win a Super Bowl? No. That's what I'm saying. There's levels to this. He was a level better than Jameis Winston. You just can't just throw anybody in there and be like, oh, yeah, he's insulated by the talent. It's, it's, it's been proven. Tom Brady had nothing, and he elevated that talent to championship. Now, granted, he did have a great defense, but still, he didn't screw it up. And I wouldn't say the first couple Super Bowls was really Tom Brady. I see the last few were Tom Brady. You know, he had to really grow up as a quarterback. But to sit there and say that Brock Purdy, the only reason why he's good is because he has talent. Come on. If he wasn't a good quarterback or he was mid, as the kids like to say, I'm telling you right now, they'd have a lot more losses. Dak Prescott Prescott has a pretty good team. Look where they're at. Jalen Hurst has a pretty good team. What happened against Seattle on Monday night? Okay, that's not on Jalen Hurts. Who's it on? It might be more on their defense for blowing assignments late, but granted, also at the same time, they put up a robust 17 points. David, come on. I mean, to be fair, Jalen Hurts was battling the flu. Okay. David, chime in. we got to speed this no, up. I, no, I, I think that it, it's a little bit of both ends. I think kind of to the point of putting players in the quarterback position in the Shanahan offense specifically, but we can even look with, the difference between Jimmy Garoppolo in that offense versus how he was in Vegas before he got benched versus Brock Purdy. Do I think that anyone can be in an offense? No, because Shanahan looks for a particular kind of player to run his offense. He's known that pretty much his entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think Brock Purdy fits that mold? Yes. Do I think that Brock Purdy is not I mean, people use it as a slur now, but he's basically a game manager. He's told, don't screw it up. But isn't and everybody a game manager? Roethlisberger was a game yeah. manager early in his career. But he still had talent, yeah. though. But he was man. I mean, young quarterbacks are going to do that. But at the same yeah, time, yeah. though, if, if if you're bad, you're bad. But what, yeah, what happened when Brock Purdy went down? What happened there? Yeah, and... Mm-hmm. and even, even yeah, they basically had to use the dead body of Josh Johnson. But did they win? No. No. Exactly. Yeah. You just can't throw, but you're making it seem like you just throw anybody in there. There's a lot of guys you could throw in there. You Not could throw everybody. In a, you're right. You could throw in a dead squirrel, and they'll still win. 
I mean, it's. I mean, I'll even use the Lions as comparison. I mean, Jared Goff has done a nice job, but he's also got some very good talent around him. He's got Amon Ross St. Brown, who's a top five receiver. I mentioned Sam Laporta. He's leading all NFL tight ends and touchdown receptions. He's got two good running backs around him. You're starting to see got reliable receivers like Josh Reynolds and even Jamison Williams is starting to come in, and he's got the best off, and he's got a top. I'd say top five offensive line protecting him. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a there's a lot of quarterbacks who are insulated with talent that can hide a lot of deficiencies. Mm-hmm. Talk about the FS uh, the Florida State situation and the winners and losers. Yeah. Yeah. Just really quickly with the Florida State, the whole they're suing the ACC because they feel as though the release clause is ridiculous and it's not ironclad and Florida State feels as though the ACC is strong-arming them and the ACC countering back and saying, well, you signed the contract, it's ironclad, no one's really challenged us, so why should you be challenging us? And it's basically kind of a back and forth. Do I think Florida State has the right to challenge? Yeah, because as an institution, they should have the opportunity to be able to get out of a contract that is said to be ironclad, but again, no one has challenged whether it's actually ironclad or if it's just all bark and no bite. And the ACC is like, well, if we lose Florida State, we're losing a pretty significant cash cow in terms of revenue, in terms of the conference recognition. Everyone, when you think of Florida State, you're thinking – ACC, when you think of ACC, Florida State's one of the first schools that comes to mind. Not just for the football, but think about softball, think about baseball, think about the way that um, volleyball that they've been successful over the years. Um, Basketball, they had a little bit of run, then more than the women, but uh, you think of them as a cornerstone institution. It's similar to how... I think the situation with Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12, I think that's how it will eventually turn out, mm-hmm. where Florida, Florida State's going to leave. Mm-hmm. It's just the ACC is trying to keep them here as long as possible, trying to make them go through 10,000 hoops and ladders um, before the, the current ironclad contract runs out in 2036. Florida State's not waiting 12 years to leave. Florida State will be gone, I think, from the ACC before 2030. It's just a matter of when they'll go, where where they'll go. Do I think that they'll go to the SEC? I mean, it makes it makes most sense. But then again, with conference realignment, they can they could go to the Big Ten. Who knows? Like, but. Well, I mean, the the big thing is, look at the money the ACC pays out to their schools and what the SEC and Big Ten pay out. It's double. So, I mean, you can't blame them. But I also think that if Florida State ends up leaving the ACC, that's going to be the death of the ACC because everybody else is going to want out. Yeah, we know that. Yeah, and then, if, I mean, I don't know, and... I think it also could lead to the death of the Big 12, too, because they're not going to want to be third fiddle. Most of all those schools are like, okay, we're tired of being the th- third best conference, so we're going elsewhere. 
I mean, it all goes back to what I said. When you don't have a central governing body, this is the problem you have. Mm-hmm. And I mean, unfortunately, I've, it all gets based around football and basically all the rest of the non-revenue sports get told to kick rocks and deal with it. I, I, I still have a little bit of hesitancy seeing this as the death of the ACC. Um, just because, yes, I know football runs king. But when it comes to basketball season, that's two blue bloods in Duke and North Carolina. They will fight like hell in high water. And I can honestly see them sucking in either the Big East or the American Athletic if the Big 12 don't do it and that reviving the ACC. So, I mean, it stinks for, like, the teams out west. I think the Mountain West will, with kind of the situation with Oregon State and Washington State and them holding on to the Pac-12, Kind of name, like try the pack two. Yeah, um, yeah. I, those I those two programs are basically nomads. Yeah, like they've joined um, Mountain West for football and West Coast Conference. I think that's supposed to be announced. Either it was already announced late this week, or it'll be announced next week that they're going to be joining the West Coast Conference for majority of sports. So they're going to be adding some things. I think that if they can rebuild or if the Mountain West becomes what the Pac-12 was and kind of assimilate all of the western uh, side of the country team, so like west of the Rockies, that's all Mountain West, I think you can have like a big four. So you have SEC in the south, um, Mountain West slash Pac-12 slash WCC, out West, you have the Big Ten and then the ACC. And then the Big 12 is just, I think they eventually get assimilated into either the SEC or the ACC. So it's looking like we could have kind of a Big Four in terms of the power conferences in terms of college football. Well, I, th- I think you could see some of the Big 12 schools getting mixed in with the Big Ten as well, just based on geography. But also, here, here's a question for you, David. What happens to Notre Dame? They still seem to cling to being an independent in football, even though I don't view them as a complete independent. They're a pseudo-independent. They're in the ACC for pretty much all their other sports. Do they basically become an ACC member for football, or do they end up joining the Big Ten? I, it makes sense for them to join the Big Ten, because... Geographically, they're there. Rivalry's there. Recruiting is there. I mean, granted, Notre Dame is like a nationwide recruiter. Um, so they're not just limited to Indiana. I, I think they're going to find a way to keep independent and just be a football only. Their football align themselves with their normal rivalry game slates. So do like a pseudo conference and then join with the conference for the other sports. Well, as he, long as as long as Notre Dame has that NBC money, they're going to they're going to have enough firepower to say bleep you CBS, bleep you Fox, we don't need your money because we have our we have NBC. Well, like that's you got the Peacock, yeah. Well, you, got, you, you got know the big minutes, the though. Big 10 has a contract with NBC, so and plus, if Notre Dame wants to cling to being an independent, they're basically going to get left out in the cold 
hold because all the team, their traditional rivals that they play are going to be told, sorry, no room at the end for you to play us anymore. Have fun playing a bunch of Mac schools and and FCS schools and whatnot. I mean, that's technically what Ohio State does every year anyways. So I would that's any difference than what Notre Dame Well, like Notre Dame because Ohio State has a conference, David. <laughs> like three games. It's Penn State, Michigan State. And Michigan, like that's the conference. Okay. I want to say Michigan State, Iowa. Well, plus you've got oh, maybe well, whiskey or something. You've got oh, well, you got the nonsense known as Oregon and Washington and SC and UCLA coming in. Even though I think uh, the Southern California schools are in for a rude awakening, but that's another topic for another time. Well, we got to wrap it up. Yeah. Went over <laughs> about ten minutes of the segment. Go ahead, David. Last word. Third. It's going to be interesting. This is going to set a precedent. This is basically going to show what college football is going to look like for the next 10 years. And this decision is going to be the key point in that in that alignment. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, we'll take a quick commercial break. That's a good one, fellas. Um, we'll get into the Woeful Pistons, and then that's got to be a quick segment, and then winners and Actually, the NFL pick them. Yeah, I know. The NFL pick them. They'll do the Pistons and then the NFL pick them in the show. That's in the 88.3 WHTs. After further review, send us the SoundCloud iTunes at WHTs. After further review with a picture of Frank Bashner and the horse's head. Make sure to check us out also on After Further Review Sports Show on Facebook. You can watch us live or just turn up the dial on the left-hand side at 88.3 WHT 1130 to 130. Or noon to 2. Coming up next, Woeful Pistons. Can they break the all-time losing streak of over 25 games? It'll be interesting. It could happen on Monday night, though. This is an 88.3 WGs after further review.